Welcome to another episode of the Unapologist Podcast. Today, we have the Gordon Ramsay of professional development, Christopher Wilson. <laughs> I feel that I, I was trying to think of a, a, a comeback for you to that one. And I just feel like if, if, if Gordon were to meet me and see me do anything... Uh, it would be a barrage of swear words followed by me being called like a donut or her, him like putting bread on either side of my head, uh, you know, something like that. I, but, I just yeah. think he would come see you and just go, nope, I have nothing to say. I can't keep up with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if I'm Gordon Ramsay, you, of course, are Mario Vitale. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hey, you're, hey, you're an iron you chef. Have- you did have a comeback for that. Thank yeah. you, good sir. Thank you, good sir. Vito McKenzie on this. And not end. just because you wear Crocs. With socks. <laughs> <laughs> Can't forget the socks. Uh, Chris, how are we doing this week? We're doing good. Hey, a time of recording here. We are going into, uh, we'll be starting our second semester of high school here next week. Really excited for that. Have a lot of big things planned. Had a lot of, uh, it was a really good end to the semester. Uh, really proud of the students I have. And, and I think, I think uh, basically teachers across the globe, you know, <laughs> hey, hats off uh, for getting through that first semester during a global pandemic. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm nothing but impressed, uh, nothing but happy moving forward. And how about you, Vito? How are things on your end? Yeah, you know, wrapping up another octomester here, it's another course, and getting that, ready for a fifth one. It's that still it's just a weird word, octomester. It, it is, it is, and it just it was the most efficient way. And like, I no one's at fault for having the system in place. It's just how it yep. needed to work. And but I, I give so much credit, honestly, to the students this year because they are just being thrown on a roller coaster ride and expecting us to be the leaders when we don't know what's going on and we're doing our best to mitigate that and they are just rolling with the punches and and being amazing and i give them so much credit um you know i've had some amazing students students who were out of the country and and still meeting me and and still getting work in and you know making it work and that's really what it's all about right like no one's going to win teacher of the year this year for just grinding it out getting through a pandemic to make it work we all deserve that title just to make it through so uh props again to my students and absolutely uh, absolutely Absolutely. but uh you know enough about us we 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 got we got somebody pretty cool with us today we got a pretty cool dude here tonight we got got a really cool guy with us tonight. do you want to introduce him I do. Uh, we tonight on the show we have Ryan McKinnon, Mr. Ryan McKinnon. Uh, I met this guy. Oh, geez, I want to nine years ago. Nine years ago, uh, we uh, both moved to Fort McMurray uh, to, to to teach at Fort McMurray Catholic School District. Uh, at the same time, we were we were we were newbies together. Uh, we became fast friends, and uh, Mr. McKinnon was a man who was kind of. He was just kind of thrust into a whole lot of, I, I remember him being thrust into a whole lot of different teaching situations. Like, Hey, you're doing social studies, grade 11. Sure. Yeah. You're doing social studies, grade 10, 12. Sure. Hey, you're doing legal studies. Go for it. Uh, and, and, and just, I remember he was a guy who always had a uh, great head on his shoulders. He always commanded the classroom uh, with, with nothing but respect uh, he was a person who he was able to get respect of both the students and the staff. And he was just a, this fantastic teacher who, even though he taught really academic classes, you could have asked, 
you know, any number of students, you know, who's your favorite teacher? And they'd say, Mr. McKinnon. And I was like, oh, yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, he's super hard, but he's hilarious and he's awesome. Um, and, and you know, it takes a really, really, really good teacher uh, to be, you know, a guy who's teaching a difficult course and having high standards and yet still able to have those really good rapports. Um, you know, sadly for me, but good for him, he moved back to uh, the East Coast uh, a number of years ago. God's and, country. God's yeah. country right there. Hey, what would uh, what would uh, Josh say? Uh, uh, face like a boiled boot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Face like a boiled boot. Uh, but, uh, but he's been teaching some wood shop amongst other things. And he's just got a wonderful insight on teaching, wonderful insight on life. And I'm so excited to hear his story and learn about him. So Ryan, welcome to the show. Boys, thank you very much for having me. Chris, you're far too kind. I think you really uh, <laughs> talked me up bigger than I should have been, but thank you again. Never. I know. Never. I, I didn't go high enough. enough. I, I, by the end of this episode, we'll realize he didn't talk you up enough. He never does. I he's never always, do. He's always short playing everyone coming on the show. <laughs> uh, Ryan, really, it's a pleasure to have you here. And, you know, uh, what's exciting now is that people get to stop hearing us speak and get to hear from somebody wonderful like yourself and everyone out there already knows what the first question is so we know that everyone has a journey that led them to education and now it's your turn to tell your story so how did you come to teaching uh well like most young men growing up in nova scotia i dreamed of playing for your boston bruins, uh, My I'm, boston boston bruins. Boston bruins. Yeah. I'm a loose fan <laughs> Ottawa. As long as you don't say Canadians, you're good to go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, unfortunately, that didn't work out. Uh, like most people or most teachers, I just tell a lie that I blew my knee out in junior hockey, but I just really <laughs> wasn't good enough to make it. <laughs> yeah. But as a young man, I really wanted to go to university. Uh, here in Nova Scotia, Santa X is really big. That's where really a lot of our teachers went. Uh, so I wanted to go to X. I wanted to get my X ring. So right after high school, that's where I headed off. Uh, I had some amazing professors there, especially in the political science department. Uh, people like Peter Clancy, Jim Bickerton. And for one year and one semester, uh, we had a gentleman named Marat Okopian. Unfortunately, I'm not sure where he's teaching at uh, these days, but he was a very, very good uh, political science professor. Mm. Uh, after university, I really thought about doing something that was kind of I want to say a bit more involved in the community or something that really was good for my country. Uh, so I considered joining the RCMP and started that process. Uh, I also started the process of joining the armed forces and I applied for education. So I wasn't accepted to get education at St. Evac. So, you know, ego crushed, devastated. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't accepted um, anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just showed yeah. up and they just gave me a diploma when I was done. <laughs> yeah. Photo job. Yeah. But I was lucky enough to get into Memorial in Newfoundland. Uh, I didn't meet Mr. Josh Whittle until we got to Alberta, but I wish I would have met him back there. Uh, and again, I had some really good professors. Uh, Mr. Jerome Delaney he taught us legal and moral issues and classroom management. And Trudy Johnson, who taught us social studies methodology. Uh, after that, I went off to East Anakinish, where I did my student teaching for a gentleman named Urban Breen. Again, a genius, very, very smart man. Uh, he absolutely commanded the classroom, and the kids really hung off his every word. And then after that, I went off to Fort McMurray, met master teacher, Mr. Poulsen. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was really lucky to receive a lot of help, like really a lot of help, uh, from some of the more experienced teachers at Trinity, like Natalie and Barb. 
Uh, it, the Natalie he's talking about, Vito, is uh, Natalie Reed, who we had on the show. Oh, okay, wonderful. Wow, wow. So, yeah, you, you've you worked uh, under some pretty amazing people there. Wow. And then uh, me. Amazing people. <laughs> and then me. <laughs> so, so there are plenty of times where Chris and I were both walking into their rooms to be like, uh, help. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, but you, you mentioned, you mentioned some, you, you give some qualifiers to some of the teachers you've had before, like absolute genius, great person. Well, just, just take it, take me through or take us through. What were some things they were seeing? They were like, that's brilliant. Like what, what were some things that they were doing or saying that really sparked your um, curiosity or just really got you going? Uh, I'd say, especially a lot of my professors at Santa Vex, um, they weren't just book smart. They were sort of travel and experienced. Uh, so, for example, um, I'd say Peter Clancy, who taught some of our law courses, he would actually invite us over to his home for a dinner if he took his law course. Uh, and from there, you really found out about how he kind of grew up all around the world, like just all the different places he went as a young man, things he saw, places he experienced. Uh, the same with Professor Kopian. Uh, he grew up in Armenia, I believe. Uh, and really in that course, he wasn't really open about it, but as you start to talk to him about different political issues and subjects, you know, someone would bring up an opinion and he would kind of challenge that opinion and not in a mean way by any means, but someone would say, well, no, this is what happened. Uh, and he would kind of interject and be like, I'm sorry, that's not what happened. Believe me, I was there. So one really good example of that was, uh, there was an individual discussing the Americans invading Afghanistan and what took place with them when the Russians invaded in the eighties, at which point he interjected and said, that's not what the Russians did. Believe me, I was there. So as a young man, he was in the red army and helped invade Afghanistan. Wow. 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 Talk wow. about, talk about, you know, we just had a, we just had someone on the show, uh, you know, with Nick Matthews on the show talking about mentorship and talk about the types of mentors you can get in those situations as real world those experiences that that kind of transcend book smarts. Yeah, that that's amazing. I mean, he was there, and uh, now, uh, like, and I, I, I'm guarantee you, he he had so much to say that would just blow our kind of Western mindset beliefs right out of the water. Like, I'm sure that just kind of rocked you pretty good. Yeah, and like I said, it, he didn't say it in a sort of a "believe me, I know better." But I mean, as soon as he said it, he got like a giant laugh out of the entire class because we very much <laughs> so believed him. <laughs> sure, uh, I think said- that speaks to. Uh, I think that also speaks to like, you know, there. You know, you have the academic knowledge, but when you have that experience, y- your voice has a lot of weight to it. Yeah, and, and what about the student teaching? Because you said you know, genius teacher there. What what were you seeing in that classroom that that really? got you um, wide-eyed about it? Uh, yeah, so Mr. Urban Breen, uh, he is retired now, but just a very talented individual. So he was the kind of person who did read and did know a lot about the world. But again, as a young man right out of university, he spent a lot of time traveling through Europe and had a lot of really amazing stories. Uh, talented also in the fact that he was very, very good at guitar. So he taught a lot of social studies courses like history and political science and economics. Uh, but one of his extracurricular teachables, I guess you could call it, was guitar. So he had quite a few young men and young women who would come into his class every day and they would sit around and play guitar. And it was absolutely amazing. And unfortunately, when I showed up, he asked me, do you play guitar? And I'm like, no. And he goes, well, then you can't teach in this class. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be your prep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, he gave me to another teacher. So I taught a different Canadian history class. During- oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, he's there like, you can go, go across wow. the hallway. 
Amazing. Now, so you you really like had a career that has taken you back and forth from the East Coast to the West and back again, and it's taken you from social studies to uh, legal studies, as Chris mentioned, and all the way to to woodshop. Can you give us your thoughts on the need to be flexible as an educator? Uh, well, actually, some very good advice that I did receive from uh, Professor Trudy Johnson when we were doing our social studies methodology courses was, when you're a new teacher, chances are administration is going to come to you and they're going to say, hey, we need you to teach this course outside of your teachable. Uh, and you need to look them in the eye and say, absolutely. So yeah. <laughs> you, you, you dig your feet in and you look them in the eye and you say, yeah. I'll teach anything you want me to but do. The, but that, that's a huge point because I made the mistake of saying no the first time. And I didn't know that. And that cost me a few years. So no, that, that that's solid advice. So I did my second year teaching at Trinity. Uh, it actually wasn't the first week of school. It was about the third or fourth week into September. Uh, the principal came to me and she goes, you have a prep right now. I said, yeah. And I was expecting her to say, can you go cover someone's course this period? They're going home sick or something. She goes, uh, I need to take your prep away. You're going to be teaching grade 11 religion. So I just looked at her and went, absolutely. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So about two that. minutes later, 30 people came over to my room. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Okay. So like you just, you just rolled with the punches from day one. Like you're like, all right, whatever I'm going to do it. So you know, what's going through your head though? Like you're going to teach this. Absolutely. Like what's, what's actually going on in the back of your mind and how do you overcome that? How do you like get through and be like, okay, I'm just going to do it now. Uh, well, that's where master teacher, Mr. Bolson comes in. Uh, I, I, I can't hear this on the audio, but I just, <laughs> I did a huge eye roll. Uh, so of course he comes in and I was like, Chris, I got to do a whole semester in Christianity. Like, oh man, how am I going to do this? And uh, he goes, no, don't worry. Grade 11 is great. It's uh, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. And I was like, oh, okay, we got this. We're good. There's lots to cover. There's lots to work with. You know, I was feeling quite panicked, but uh, instead of just having one book to work with, I had three. So (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. One of the things that I always thought was really cool about your classroom, I don't know if you remember this, um, you, you go into Ryan's classroom and so how the, how the, how the rooms were set up at, at the, the front of the room, there was a whiteboard and then an, uh, a Promethean board or a smart board and then another whiteboard. And he always had one whiteboard that showed like where the front line was at what point during world war two. And just, that was just always there. And I always oh. thought that was so cool because it was such like a like I always thought like it was a talking point no matter what. And um, he used to put on I think about the like the flexibility, not just in terms of like what you're teaching, but like how you're like existing in the school. And so he had this he had this like ongoing front line that I thought was the coolest thing in the world. And I remember standing there. I remember standing there being like, what lesson is this guy teaching? And he was just like, it's not really a lesson. It's just like, that's where it was. Um, And he also had these things that he put on the the front of his classroom that were like, if you can tell me who this person is by the end of the week, you win. Uh, Or we have gone so many days without someone singing a song from like this musical or something like that. And I always just remembered like these little things that showed that like, 
you know, there was more to this person than just this dude in the classroom. And I, and I always was really in awe of that. Those are great. Those are great classroom community building things too, uh, yeah. that, that you're doing there. N- For now, that second year at Trinity, I'll definitely give a shout out to the uh, grade 11s and grade 12s in social studies. So the, of course, Holy Trinity being a performing arts school, the kids were very, very talented. So uh, every day my grade 11s would come in singing songs from Frozen. And then when the bell would ring together, they would all sing, okay, bye, and they would leave. Uh, and then the grade 12s, they seemed to really like the producers. So every morning I was serenaded to uh, It's Springtime for Hitler. So- oh, God. <laughs> oh, yes. 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 Wow. So that, that no, that's, that's requires incredible amount of flexibility. Like I know when I was in the entertainment industry and I was a professional magician, my, my good friend Diego, his rule was when somebody asked to book you for a show, you say, yes. And then you figure out how to do it, regardless of what the show was. You just say yes to it, and you figure out how to do it. And it's like I remember one time I was asked to do a show, a fundraiser for the blind, as a magician. Okay, very visual medium. I'm like, yes, I'll do it, and uh, I made it work. But uh, that, that's it. Sounds like you had that same attitude with with all your classes being thrown at you. Where was ever one where you're just like, yes, and I'm like, uh, no, like I I I want to cry now in a corner. Like I know the grade eleven religion, but any others? Uh, I did have a, they, it was really weird. They decided in Nova Scotia, they were going to have like this grade five and six integrated technology course. Um, in our school board, they kind of accidentally, a lot of schools put it as its own separate course, but really it should have been integrated right into like your English lessons, your social studies lessons, your math lessons. So, I mean, I do teach junior high and high school. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, they came to me and they're like, we need you to teach little 10-year-olds stuff to do on computers. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that lasted only two years. And then it got, you know, this course was used properly. It was integrated into these other classes and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, that would have been tough. That would have been tough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't, yeah. Don't, don't even know how to. Turn how off to Minecraft. Minecraft. Turn it off. <laughs> We're not doing Minecraft. We did do a lot of the uh, coding. Okay, yeah. okay. So if I had them on a Friday, Fridays were a coding day. So if I worked it on the schedule, I had them on a Thursday, they're devastated. But if I had them on a Friday, they were very, very happy. <laughs> so so where, where, where would you even start with these classes then that are being thrown at you? Do you, do you go to other teachers? Do you just like, oh, I'm just going to spitball it? Like, what, what, what's, uh, what's your first step? Uh, I definitely talked to a lot of other teachers um, because this was a new course. I started to read through what was kind of expected. Uh, and there was actually a gentleman who I taught. He graduated the year previous to me teaching his courses. Uh, he was doing computer sciences at university and he had gone to university for a few days. He kind of came home to visit his parents. He kind of had a weird little break right at the beginning of the semester. Uh, he just kind of came into the school to talk to everybody. So he came to the classroom to say hi and I didn't let him leave for two hours because I was like, you need to help me with this. <laughs> nice, nice cornered him. Now he's not leaving. Yeah, That's but awesome. he was very, very into it. Uh, there was even a couple classes later on into the winter, um, especially during his Christmas break. So I should say not really during the winter, during December. Uh, he came in and showed the kids some really, really cool things to do online. Oh, great. So you brought in outside resources. That's perfect. I dig that. Now let's jump to uh, to the woodshop aspect of your career. So give us some insight on what it really means to teach woodshop. Like how, how do you plan? How do you manage? How do you engage students? And I, I'm I'm really interested in this too because you know I grew up in southeastern Ontario. Uh, I believe my high school had like a tech class, is what it was called. But like 
if I'm being a hundred percent honest, like my view of like woodshop is largely informed by, you know, movies I've watched American movies. Like I really, I, 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 I've just never experienced it. So I'm really excited. So, uh, really to get planning and get started, uh, I always go to Pinterest right away. So and shop teachers love Pinterest too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cause on there you can get some absolutely amazing ideas. Now, not everything automatically links to plans and drawing and sketches and materialists. Uh, but I usually really start there just to kind of get some ideas. Uh, a lot of the things we do build in our wood shop is for the benefit of the school and of the community. Uh, so I'll also talk to a lot of teachers. Uh, we have a home and school association in our uh, community and administration because usually they're like, well, we want this thing for the school or I want some things built uh, for the playground. So it's more of talking with them for a semester, finding out what needs to be done. Uh, I then have to apply to some grants in the province of Nova Scotia. They'll provide me with funds. I just have to tell them what I want to build, what materials I need, what it's for, fill out a bunch of paperwork. They provide me with funds and then second semester we get to work and start building. So I guess I guess for the like the the the, the grants and stuff like that, is that would you do that with the students? Is that something you'd guide them through, like how to get funding and 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 how to find the plans and how to talk with the community? Or is that more of a like kind of the behind the scenes stuff that you're doing? Uh, I would say the talking with the community part, definitely. Like there are lots of kids who do come with ideas. Um, but I think your idea of getting them to actually help out with the typing of the grant, that's not something I've done, but I think I'm going to steal that from Venus. Oh. Mm. Hey, hey. I, I have a one. few good ones left. <laughs> <laughs> now, do, do, do students come into that class ready to go? Like, are they are like, is it a, a, a class that's easy to sell? Like a lot of teachers, can, sometimes students get into their class and you have to sell them on the class, but is which are one of those where students come in, they're ready to go or how do you get them there? Uh, in grades seven, eight, nine, you do have to sell them on it a little bit because they have to be there. Uh, grade 10, 11, 12, of course, taking shop is completely optional. So especially with the seven, eights and nines, I try to get away from the old style wood shop where it's like, oh, I made this little shelf or I made this little bookcase and I'm going to take it home. Uh, they really want us to connect it with science and math, like all those kind of STEM connections to it. So for example, with my grade eights, we always build wooden truss bridges which we then just crush and destroy to see how much weight they can hold. Uh, again, it's always a competition. So whoever holds the most weight, you're going to get a free lunch on Mr. McKinnon. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Food and destruction. Like, that's Food it. You sold it. You sold I'll take it. it. Now, where do I sign <laughs> up? <laughs> and, I mean, some kids, they're making these, like, they're just made out of pine board. Every little strip is a foot long, and it's an eighth of an inch by an eighth of an inch. So, I mean, it's pretty much a toothpick. You could snap it between your fingers. But once the kids actually design this and put it into a truss bridge, uh, you know, we're adding weight to it. So we're adding like 10, 20, 50, 60, 70 pounds. Uh, with some students, I've put like 150 pounds on it. I run out of weight and the bridge is still holding. It's still there. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, so, I, wow. so I had a young man who he just physically stepped on the bridge and held some weight in his hand and eventually it crushed it. So, I mean, it held probably around 140, 150 pounds. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, the Sevens will always do rockets. Uh, so something that's really interesting in the community I teach in, it's a place called Canto, Nova Scotia. Uh, it's a tiny little fishing village right out on the East Coast, right on the Atlantic. Uh, there's actually a company who may come in and start firing rockets into space from Canto. So Canto may become the Cape Canaveral of Canada. Uh, the rockets they're going to fire will have communication satellites in them. 
And the advantage of firing them from Canso is they can fire them out towards the ocean, which is the direction they want to go. So that's why Cape Canaveral is a cape. Uh, at the same time, instead of flying east and west, following the equator around the Earth, which causes a satellite to spend more time over ocean than land, by launching them from Canso, they're going to get them to fly north and south. So they'll spend more time actually over the continents and over land where people are. So we're going to be actually making some little rockets, or we do every year make little paper rockets. You make wooden fins out of spruce wood. Uh, you put a little parachute and recovery system in them, and then we fire those off. So, I mean, sometimes they go five feet in the air, land on the ground, bounce around, and the parachute shoots out of them, and it's hilarious. Another time, <laughs> it's fire them off, and they're 100 feet in the air, and scares all the geese away, and yeah. And they're going to okay, come I, I, and start shooting rockets, and your students are going to be like, hey, just so you guys know, like, it's been done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I've seen October Sky a thousand times, and now I want to go there right now and live out that dream of actually firing off rockets. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I don't really talk about October Sky. Sorry, October Sky with the students. Uh, but I mean, we do discuss Warner von Braun and the rockets he built and the models he built and how they worked. That's so cool. That. Uh, so you, you're just integrating everything and not only with the, the STEM resources, but also the geography of where they are. You're connecting them to everything. That's incredible. Wow. Um, well, we're quite lucky with, with uh, Tech Ed because they do, there are curriculum outcomes you have to meet, um, but they're pretty liberal with how we meet them and what we do. Like they really do want us to get the students involved, engaged, building things and doing things that are meaningful. Uh, and again, connecting it to what they're doing in the other courses. So yeah. I'll just say with my grade nines too, we build trebuchets. So the frame of the trebuchet is probably about three and a half feet tall. The swing arm is probably about six feet tall. I wish you were on video right now, Chris. You're so yeah, excited. yeah, yeah. If you saw the video, like Chris so and I are like, awesome. geeking out so, right now. Yeah, you make your wooden trebuchet. It's plans that I found out of a book. Uh, my grade nines do this, and it really takes them about six months to build because I only see them once a week. So it is a long-term build. They put it together, they test it out. Uh, and of course, we cover a lot of things with physics, like kinetic energy, potential energy. I mean, with a, um, with a trebuchet, you have like the law of the lever. So you have the two thirds rule. So we do cover a lot of physics with it as well. And I mean, these things, you put some weight in the front of them, they'll fire a golf ball a good 15, 20 yards. Wow, that's amazing. You know, I, I, I love hearing what you're saying and what's going on there. Because when I was going through school, there was a certain stigma attached to the tech courses, the woodshop specifically. And there was a specific type of student who would go there. There are some students who could handle academic work and they go in the classroom and everyone else, you know, well, you'd go in the woodshop because that's where you'd be good. And unfortunately that kind of mentality is still in play, but listening to you, I hope that barrier starts to break down because what an amazing experience and useful skills you're learning and integration with everything and to be useful with your hands. Like, I mean, I could take off my own head with a screwdriver. You know, <laughs> My dad could build like a bathroom, like in his spare time, like just like, well, you know, cracking open a few drinks and here's me. I, oh, I can't put a picture on the wall. So <laughs> I, I, I love what you're saying. I love it. I love it. That's, that's, that's amazing. Do you feel the students are coming with less of that stigma too? Like hearing what you're doing? Uh, I really hope so. Um, I find too, especially the community I'm in, because it's very small, very rural, uh, a lot of the students, their parents are involved in fishing or the fishery. Uh, most of the students we have go off to trade school or go off to uh, Nova Scotia Community College, NSCC. So our school is kind of the opposite, I think, of most, where the majority of students are 
really aiming to go to university or there's a big presence of students who are going to university. Um, being a very small school, our graduates, we maybe have 12 or 15 every year. And I'm going to say maybe two or three go to university. The vast majority do go to the trades. Which is fantastic, right? Yeah, that absolutely. The, like absolutely. that is an incredible uh, route, like that. And I think it's a direction that we need to start. Like I think, I think years ago it started, but it's one we just need to continue to promote as well. Because absolutely. you, because you're talking like the you're you're not just like oh let's build like you said building a shelf or whatever. You're actually solving problems here, building trebuchets and rockets, and and, and really you know getting them to critically think about how they're going to come up with solutions. So, you know, listening to you and getting a beat on who you are as an educator, give us your thoughts on the values and experiences gained for students in that woodshop class. Uh, I'd say it definitely gives them a lot of hands-on skills and experience. Uh, I would definitely point to a newer course that we have at the school called Skilled Trades 10. Uh, so a lot of the trade schools we're finding there are getting young men and young women showing up who really didn't know how to swing a hammer or didn't know how to measure in inches. Uh, so in skilled trades 10, those skills are paramount. Uh, there are no power tools at all. And to get students used to actually working out in the workforce, everyone is issued a pair of steel toed boots, their own set of goggles and a helmet. So you have to wear your helmet, boots, goggles all the time, just so you get used to wearing it when you're actually, uh, out in the workforce. I, I so, love that. Um, I, when I got my first job, I was working at a golf course and the work, I didn't mind the work. I didn't mind the being outside. I didn't mind the heat. But getting used to wearing a hard hat, it was, you know, that was the thing I had to get used to. Because that's, you know, it's not like you're going around, oh, I'm going to the Jays game, throwing a hard hat. You know, it it's, doesn't happen. So I, I really, really think that's cool um, that that kind of stuff's happened. When you, and, and I just picked up when you said, like, swing and a hammer. Like, yeah. You know, people think you pick up hammer, hit nail. But there's a lot more to it than that. And you can seriously hurt yourself and others if you are not aware of how to safely use those non-powered tools. I have to give a lot of credit, too, to the uh, phys ed teachers. They teach students how to play badminton. So you have to, like, you kind of hold the badminton like a <laughs> hammer, but your finger comes up on it. But if you start swinging a hammer with your finger up along it, your finger's going to be pretty sore after a little oh. while. <laughs> oh, ouch. Yeah, so it is a bit more of less finesse more grab and smash wow. but in the skilled trades there's kind of three elements to it so they learn a little bit of carpentry uh plumbing and electrical uh so one of the kids favorites projects is actually in plumbing yeah so i made a little platform that's like three feet by three feet on wheels uh and on the back of the platform is a small little wall uh through the wall is a piece of copper pipe uh, the part that's on the inside of the wall has a fitting to connect a toilet to it and the part on the outside of the wall has a fitting uh, female end for a garden hose to go into. Uh, what the students do is they'll take a toilet out of the box. Uh, they'll secure it onto the platform. So you have like, are you getting a brand new toilet or do you just have one toilet and you put it in a box? Uh, we bought a brand new toilet and we just use the same one every year. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> the only thing you have to replace is of course you need like the uh, wax fitting. For yeah, the the wax the fitting yeah. yeah. So I buy a new one of those every year just because once you use it once, it's, you yeah, might as well just throw it. She shot. Yeah. So the kids put the bowl in, uh, they attach the back of the toilet, all the inner workings go in, they set it all up. Once everything is good to go, they think everything is snug and tight. Uh, then we connect the hose to the copper pipe, turn on the water, and the toilet actually starts to fill up. 
So at this point, it's amazing watching a bunch of 15-year-olds stand around a toilet watching it fill with water, <laughs> and they're just amazed by it. <laughs> I and love that. Once she fills with water, you can flush it. The toilet flushes. It works just fine. <laughs> it's a working toilet. Yeah. Just making sure nobody uses it before that happens. <laughs> well, that's a, The lesson ends with, okay, now pretend that this is an old toilet you're replacing. You need to take it apart uh, and put it back in the box. Because I guarantee you, if I did leave that toilet, it's not that a kid would use it, but a kid would definitely prank me with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that's what, But hey, you know what? Like... What a good, uh, you know, what a good just thing to know as a person, a homeowner, or, you know, just th- there's a leak. What what do I do? Or a new toilet. I love it. I love it. Hands on. It's real world. Um, and, you know, they're going home and it wasn't, you know, we watched a video on how to do this. It's we did it. We actually did it. You know, kids yeah, going oh, especially home. With- social media i mean once the kids are done making something like they do want that picture they want that video to post uh and even to some of the skills they're learning like i'm hearing from their parents later uh for example there was a young girl in one of my classes uh, her mom teaches at her school and she had a nail in the wall for a smaller picture she wanted this much larger portrait to hang but of course it, you'd have to have a nail in two separate studs to actually hang in this picture so she has a measuring tape the mother does and she has a hammer. She's trying to figure out where the stud is. And her daughter comes over and she goes, mom, the second stud is 16 inches on center. Everyone knows that. And daughter measures it, takes a pencil, marks it, gives it back to her mom, walks away. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I was like, she's a professional. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. oh. Like this, this, this is incredible. Like you're giving students skills for life in this class. Like this is something that will stay with them. That is entirely useful every day of their lives. Uh, that that's amazing like wow um so obviously you know this is a very product-based class if i'm understanding that right so give us some insight like on the pride you see because you already mentioned posting on social media and uh, wanting to show off but uh what, what 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 do you see from students having actually accomplished something and having gained this knowledge and something that they can take home with them uh well i say especially the projects they build for the schoolyard uh, so at our school, we've built things like outdoor chalkboards for the elementary kids to use. Uh, so I should mention the school I teach in is very small. Uh, it's only about 170 students from grade primary to 12, and we're all inside of uh, one building. So a lot of the things the high school kids will build will be used by the elementary students out in the playground. So they've done things, like I said, the outdoor chalkboards. Uh, they've done benches for the kids to play on and jump and run around on. Uh, they've done things like seesaws. So we got some plans online for like a seesaw. Uh, it's more like a bench that rocks. So you can fit. It's not just like two people on a teeter totter. It's like four people can actually sit on it and rock back and forth. And I mean, when the kids, high school kids make these things, they want to wait until recess when the kids are outside. So that those younger kids can see them taking the project out. And then it's like, Hey, we made this ourselves with our bare hands for you. And they want the kids to play on it. They want to use it. And, just see how much fun they really do have with it. So not only do they actually get to build it, but they get to see a real world connection with it and they get to show their pride at it. That like you're giving them pride in their, their education, their work. That's, that's phenomenal. I love it. Wow. I love that. Um, wow. Wow. And then as the teacher, I, I mean, you know, as a teacher, when I see, uh, 
you know, my student who's been struggling and then I just mark their paper and I'm like, wow, they just, they just got an A, you know, they just, they just made, did an awesome mark. You know, can you just tell us about some of the pride that you feel in seeing like some of these kids who come into your class with like, what's a hammer and then they're, they're making seesaw, you know, can you tell me about some of that pride you get as a teacher and as an educator, you know, when you really, and to me, what you're doing is very, very, very much going on a journey with them, you know, cause, cause with this, I mean, with the nature of what you're doing, it can't just be like, and here's the demonstration. Now it's your turn. You know, you're really going on a journey. Tell me about the pride that you have in your students when you see these amazing accomplishments. Well, I do get a lot of those students. So, I mean, I should clarify my actual official teachables are uh, social studies and tech ed, but being such a small school, I also do teach some science courses and math. Uh, so I do get a lot of students in math who really do struggle because they're in a desk. It's a book. They're doing problems. It's not really what they want to be doing. They like to be up and moving around. Uh, so what's really good about Woodshop is I never have to tell a student to sit down. They're supposed to be moving. They're supposed to be doing that stuff. Uh, so I've had, a, especially in the skilled trades class, I've had a lot of kids come in and they're looking at the electrical work. And so what we do is we build a little four foot wall about six feet long. Uh, the kids wire in a panel, then they do two lights connected to a switch and a plug. Uh, and I mean, I've had some kids who have zero experience doing any electrical. I'll identify one young man, not by name, but his father is in the trades. He's a millwright. This kid was like, I want to be a millwright like my dad. I'm like, that's great. Unfortunately, I don't have anything to do with a millwright trade in this course, but I'll teach you a lot of other stuff. Uh, this kid just looked at what I did. I was like, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're build it, how we'll put it together. And I was just blown away at how good he was at electrical. Like all of his wires were clean and neat. Everything was twisted together properly. He put it together. We put some power into it. It worked immediately. Uh, while other kids were kind of struggling, he's like, can you teach me other things? And I'm like, okay, well, I can show you how to connect a switch to just the top receptacle of a plug. So a lot of people do that for like a Christmas tree in their house. They know where it's going to be. So they just got to flick a switch for that receptacle, but the bottom one has power all the time. Uh, but by the end of the week, he's like, okay, can you teach me something else? And I was like, I don't know anything else. Like, <laughs> you are as a fit. You're can you as, teach me? <laughs> yeah. Officially, you know everything I know, and you're a little bit better than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this makes me think. The first year I met Ryan, there was a young man who was struggling in one of his classes, and and Ryan and I were talking about how we could. Uh, and Ryan probably knows who I'm talking about when I tell him this story. Um, and, and the young man was struggling, and Ryan and I were talking about how we could support this young man. And, and Ryan said to me, he said, "We just need to support him now because traditional schooling isn't his thing." but he's going to be so successful when he's done. Um, and, and that's just, you know, I'm so happy that you're in a situation where you get to be a little different. Like you said, you know, you never have to tell a kid to sit down. Uh, and, and I just find that amazing. Um, I, I, I'm just blown away by this conversation. Like <laughs> I did, I didn't even know what we were going to do getting it. I, I mean, I knew, where you were coming from, but wow. Um, but hey, Vito, uh, quick question. Oh, have you, have you checked your watch? I, my psychic powers are tingling. It's my it's favorite that time, time of the again. Week. It's, it's everyone's favorite time of the week. 
It's Paulson points. 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 Oh my goodness! I was going to say it's tool time, but okay. No, it, it was. It was two. It was tool time. It's Paulson points tool time edition. Um, wow, we were talking with Ryan McKinnon tonight, and uh, Vito. I think I say this a lot, but I think you know what I'm going to say. Big vibes. Um, huge vibes. So huge. a few. Here's here's the big things I got from Mr. Ryan McKinnon today. Um, hey, uh, if you throw a lot of darts at the board something's going to land for Ryan. It happened to be teaching. It, it could have been the military. It could have been the RCMP, the darts he was throwing landed where he's supposed to be. Um, one of the things I really picked up on Ryan excellence notices excellence. Um, and we need to start giving credit uh, to the people who came before us and the people who taught us. I absolutely was very humbled by when you were talking about your journey, you were, you were saying these were the professors that were amazing. These were the people that were amazing. These were the people who helped me be the man and the teacher that I am today. I love that you gave credit uh, where it was due. Um, hey, have the courage to say yes. Have Because you're going to get asked to do a lot of stuff. Have the courage to say yes. Have your hierarchy of yeses, but have the courage to do it. And then find people who can help you because they will help you. Um, one of the things I really liked is that, and I, and I think this can be done any course, you know, building to benefit the school and the community and going cross-curricular with it, you know, like looking, uh, you know, anything we do, how does it make our school better? How does it make our community better? How does it, how does it make our class better? Um, I love that connection with Woodshop and STEM. You know, it's cross-curricular and it's awesome. Um, you know, I, I looked at, uh, I, I loved that there's a sense of a pride in school and community when you get students to do things that benefit that. Um, whether it be, you know, chalkboards or benches or seesaws or art projects or poetry readings. You know, when you're making your school a better place, you have a sense of pride in that community. And, you know, I just think to me, um, breaking down stigmas and barriers can be anywhere. And I love to see uh, people are doing that. And then, of course, you know what? There's never anything wrong with saying you didn't make the NHL because you got a busted knee. <laughs> Ryan McKinnon, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan McKinnon, uh, just fantastic. Oh. Boys, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I do listen to your podcast every week and I absolutely love it. And, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you oh. so much for being. The pleasure was all on. Pleasure was all west of you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know my wife would really appreciate if I could come take your class because I could definitely be more handy around this house. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chris, well, that's it for another week. Yeah, the polls and points are up. Ryan, thank you again for joining us. And thank you for joining us uh, this week on another episode of the Unapologist podcast. Join us next week when we'll talk with great people, listen to neat ideas, and tell the story of teaching as it happens. This is Vito and Chris signing off. The Unapologist podcast.